Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I talk with Brooke Tatro about mindful horsemanship, the spirit of Christmas, and the value of slowing down. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Before I start the interview, I just wanted to let my audience know how appropriate and fun this particular interview was for the Christmas spirit and the Christmas holiday. At the end of the podcast, Brooke recites a poem that beautifully sums up all of her philosophy on horsemanship and also sums up the evolution of how she came to do the work that she did. So please stay tuned and listen to the whole episode so that you can enjoy that poem. And now here's the interview with Brooke. Well, hi, Brooke. Welcome to the Horsewise podcast. It's really great to have you here. Hi, Lynn. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk to you a bit about horses. Well, that's great. And you're in Michigan, is that right? Yes, I am. Yep. It's well, winter here. I was just thinking, <laughs> yeah, I'm in Texas, so we have kind of winter, which means right now it's in the 60s and raining. So, but we might actually get to the 30s by Tuesday. So that's like a big deal. Wow. Right, I know. Yeah, so, I guess so. Yeah, we think we think of that as like Arctic weather and we get really you know, neurotic <laughs> about it and complain a lot. So, uh, and then Michigan right. people, Michigan people just laugh at us, but that's, that's, right. that's the value we add as a state in winter is we're the laughing stock, but we don't care. So. <laughs> Well, you're probably not alone in that. Yes. Yes. So, well, I was, uh, you know, I think the way that I got to know you first was maybe through, I had seen some reports of the Buck Branham and Colt starting, the invitational Mm Colt starting that's done Mm -hmm. at his place every June. And I think I usually, I've never been to that in person, but I'll kind of follow the photo streams that come afterwards and I think I noticed you in there just because you were working with a cult and I could tell like there's just something very quiet about your presentation. And I was like, wow, who's that? And so somehow I found out who you were, I think, through Alicia, uh, Alicia Bygrick Landman. And, mm-hmm. and then I started following you on Facebook and I really loved uh, your horsemanship page and just in general kind of the ethos you put out there and also you you do a lot with philosophy um I noticed I think I think at one point did you have the chill app because I did okay so because I had it too and I'd be like oh I really like that and then you would have it on your page with the exact same quote with some with some really cool horse photo and I'm like this is somebody that I feel like I would really enjoy talking with (laughs) And, and so uh just kind of linking those things together like how horsemanship isn't just a series of techniques, but it's really this sort of whole approach and sort of philosophical. So it is. Yeah. It, and I feel like in the last, you know, I don't know, five or eight years of my journey, the philosophical part has become the more important part. You know, at the beginning, you have to learn the mechanics and the techniques and where to stand and what to do. And, you know, everybody's got to go through that part. And then once you kind of have a comfort with that, then for me, it became more about, you know, the internal stuff and the um, way that the way we think and look at things, you know, how it applies to life and to horses. And, um, you know, I really started reading a lot of books because I read horse books like every other crazy horse person, right? Like <laughs> snacks of them. And then I kind of started reading these other kind of books, you know, whether they were like 
Buddhism books or, you know, philosophy books or whatever, just because it seemed to all mesh, you know, like mm-hmm. they're of course not talking about horses, but to me, that's what I was reading, you know, was like, how do I make myself better, you know, to help these horses and to help other people. And, and I got just as much from, or more really from that sort of thing than I did from the, like, how to, you know, the how yeah. to write a horse book. So yeah, it's been really interesting and I'm glad I went down that road and, you know, looking back, I remember Buck and Ray and I mean, they've all said it a million times, you know, but I think you just got to get to that point in your horsemanship or in your life where that part kind of sinks in, you know, and you really start focusing on it. You know, it took me a while, but I finally got there. (laughs) Uh, And I think it's something that comes with time. Like when I was in my early twenties, well, for one thing, I didn't even know how to ride then, which is pretty funny, but even then the idea of focusing on anything philosophically was just not going to happen. You know, I had sort of the focus of a caffeine addicted squirrel and I just <laughs> the concept that you would ever right. like look within. It's like, what does that mean? So over time, you know, uh, I wouldn't say that I've mastered the mechanics by any means, but the way that I came to this work was a little unusual. And I was sort of thrust into extreme on the job training with um, a lot of x-race horses who really didn't care, like that I felt inadequate. They were like, hey, sorry, get in here. Like we need your help right, right. now. I'd be like, all right. And um, at that point, I didn't have a lot of background in a particular technique and was of course thoroughly unqualified to do that. And I found myself really just trying to look at what the horses were actually offering me. Now, I didn't use that language in my head, but I was like, I don't know what to do, but this horse seems like he's really concerned about this particular thing. And it doesn't seem like the right thing to do to just force him into it. So what is a creative way? And so I would kind of go from there. And uh, and I would also kind of notice, like, I'd be like, well, I'm getting kind of tight. And coincidentally... The horse seems to be getting tight. I wonder if that's connected. Maybe I need to, should I need to do I need to change something? So um, and I read a lot of books, not so much on horsemanship initially, but things like um the the war of art, you know, books that had maybe a little bit more of a philosophical thing, uh, mm. kind of in the back of them. And then I read quite a bit about maybe mind management, like how people need to sort of be aware of what they're thinking and how that has an impact, even if it's something that's kind of habitually always in the back of your mind that you have mm-hmm. to do your best to pinpoint that. So you're not just sort of randomly, again, being a caffeine addicted squirrel and not really uh, focusing. So I had maybe some issues with focus. So um, yeah, well, it's easy to do, isn't it? You know, everybody's got so much going on in their lives and, or even when you're focused on the horse, you've got so much information, or at right. least when I was younger, you know, that's how I felt, you know, dressage lessons and natural horsemanship lessons and jumping lessons and all these things. And, you know, I wanted, I was hungry for the information, but it was, it was almost too much, you know, and I, I was kind of all over the place at the same time trying to be good at all these things. And, you know, I kind of felt like I was, I, I missed the point, you know, of a lot of it, you know, just because there's just too much, it was too, too much going on for where I was at, you know, nowadays I could, I could 
probably do that sort of thing. And I can cipher the information and make, you know, good decisions on what information I want to take home with me and what information I want to leave, <laughs> leave right. you know, there. Um, but, you know, it, it's easy to just get a little lost sometimes in all of that, um, especially towards the beginning of the journey. You know, one, one good person tells you to do it this way. Another good person tells you to do it another way. And it's hard to know what's right and what's not, you know? I know, and I think too, it takes time to develop the, the confidence in your own instincts or intuition. Not to say that this is uh, some kind of a soft woo, like whatever you feel is right, but over time you come to recognize that uh, there's a lot of value in being quiet and noticing things and relying on, you know, observe, remember, and compare. And that's different for every person. We each have different filters. Um, right. Obviously uh, I say we, and I always make it really clear to my listeners that I am not, I don't ride horses for the public. I do this very specific kind of weird thing uh, with a racehorse adoption charity and with Horsewise, where I coach people on fundamentals. But um, having respect for your own sort of filter and mm -hmm. understanding that it's okay to take from multiple disciplines, multiple mentors, and also your own experience is okay. And I think that comes with, again, time. It's Most people don't come out of the box like that. And also, this is something I deal with all the time with myself, um, not so much maybe the last year or two, it's this idea of there's this right way to do it. I'm messing it up. Like I didn't get that key piece of information that was in that dressage clinic two years ago and it's all over. Like I've totally messed it up because of that. <laughs> and right. not, not that I'm melodramatic or anything. And so that's, I think that's something that is very natural to a lot of people who work with horses, particularly if you're working for the public again, where, right. um, you know, you are in a sense responsible for results to your clients. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very fortunate in that my clients are either horses themselves through the charity or they're people working with their own horses. And I kind of feel like the horses hire me long distance, you know, <laughs> right. so it's so much easier because I don't have a large kind of um, requirement in my work that I produce a particular show result or I produce a particular type of prospect or I make sure that this horse is in the two rain by Tuesday, not that that would ever happen. Um, right. and, and so that's, I think that's part of it too. It is. And, you know, um, I found it, you know, earlier on in my career, cause I did show, um, dressage and, and, you know, of course, rode a lot of horses for the public and, and showed and did these things and rode a lot of young up and coming type of horses. And there was a lot of pressure from me, not even from the client, honestly, sure. but from me to like, well, I need to do well so that, you know, I can get more great horses to ride and right. Um, right. all of this. And now as I've been doing this longer and I'm, you know, more mature and, you know, uh, wiser, yeah. I, I hope, you know, uh, I realized that, um, you know, there is no timeline on that. And I wouldn't take a client that would put a timeline on it. And I know that for myself, I, there's not that pressure there because I've rode enough, um, young, up and coming horses to know that it just takes time and some of them move quickly and some of them don't. And 
Um, you can't put any sort of timeline on it, but you know, when you're young and hungry for work, you don't, right. you can't say that, you know, to right. people or right. to yourself, even you're, you just want the work. And, um, but now, you know, you know, as you go through this, you have the confidence and the knowledge to just be like, this is how it is. And it is, it's the truth. There's, you know, I'm not, um, <clears throat> making it up it just is how it is so right. you know you you can say that and 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 pick the kind of people that you want to work with that way and that have an understanding of bringing along horses and and things like that so that that part's gotten a little a lot easier but back in the day yeah it was a lot of pressure you know to put on yeah. yourself to produce and i you know, would ride really athletic horses and they could come along pretty quickly in the movements and things like that. But then at the end of the day, I was like, well, how do they feel about it? Like, right. how does the horse feel about the work that they're doing? Just because they're physically capable of doing it doesn't mean that now's the right time or, you know, uh, we're going at the correct pace or whatever. And, um, you know, so it's just, I don't know. It's just a learning experience and, and gaining confidence in oneself to be able to, um, you know, put that out there a little bit more. If that makes yeah, sense. It does. It totally makes sense. And it can be really difficult to, on the surface, explain to a client, your horse is this very promising warm blood. He's just progressing rapidly through the different movements. Um, he seems very confident, but if we push a little too hard now, we're going to end up in two years with a problem. That can right. be hard to understand because you're not seeing it maybe from the perspective of a, of a client who could be a good rider and a, all of that. But if you're not used to developing horses, you're used to having someone develop them for you, you can lose that nuance until two years Three years later, you have a horse that is now rearing, going into the dressage ring all of a sudden, right? Or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that can be something that it takes a lot of uh, education and training clients' eyes can be really hard, you know? And it's not to slam. I mean, I think it's there. If, if it wasn't for showing, I think horses in this country would be in a lot smaller role. So I do really appreciate competition and the people mm -hmm. who commit to that and who are very sincere and you know, they want the best for their horses, but right. it can be a little bit difficult. And it, it really is more like a human athlete. Like each, each animal does have its own, each horse has its unique temperament and personality. And if you, you have to develop that along with the physical athleticism, or you can end yeah. up with a problem, just like you can with a promising, you know, preteen athlete, they can be, they can be doing drugs by the time they're 18, care <laughs> right. you know, right. so it's just, it's kind of complex, um, which of course makes it fascinating. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think the mental development is more important than the physical. And so the horses that are blessed with, um, you know, physical talent and ability sometimes get the short end of the stick because of it, you know, because they are capable of doing certain things at a young age. And so, you know, people think, well, why not? He can do it. Let's do right. it. And, and sometimes it's not what is best, but, um, you know, where 
the other horse that might be slow to kind of develop physically and be able to do things, or maybe isn't the most athletic creature on the planet, his training might go a little slower because you can see with your eyes that, right. you know, he's struggling or he's, you know, not grown up enough yet or whatever. Um, so it is kind of a hard, it is kind of a hard deal. Um, I've been lucky enough that most of the show horses I rode um, and competed on belong to people who were very horse savvy and very involved and um, understood all of that. So um, that's why I say I, I was putting the pressure on myself right. more than the owner of the horse, because I think they got it, you know, and I was just trying to do my best. And I thought back then that doing my best was getting results, you know, right. um, now I know better, but um, you know, it's all, it's all part of the, it's all part of the process, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And this kind of leads us pretty logically into you t- telling us a little bit about, or telling the listeners a little bit about your background and how your career has sort of evolved over the years. You know, just, I know that you, you at one point were riding hunter jumpers and of course dressage horses, and then you eventually kind of morphed into more of, I mean, I call it the Dorrance School or Vicaro Horsemanship. I mean, there's a lot of different words for it, but really more into this other variation that actually is kind of across discipline. So do you mind just sort of talking about that for the listeners a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I started off um, out of college working at the Bay Harbor Equestrian Club with Alicia, actually, and Jackie Baltzer and a few other who are, you know, successful, um, horsewomen now. And, um, there we got a really well-rounded education. We hosted Buck, you know, way back then, uh, Ray came to the area, you know, we took dressage lessons with all sorts of people, jumping lessons, long lining lessons. Like we had a really well-rounded education, which was phenomenal. Um, and then when I moved to Montana, I thought I was going to move out there and be a cowgirl, you know, and sure. really what I fell into was um, I met a girl who owns a, a big hunter jumper barn and training business, and she needed somebody to ride her young horses um, or some, you know, quote unquote, troubled horses or difficult horses. Um, and so I kind of just leaned into that. Um and thought, well, here's a little niche in the market for me, because um, right. I do have some experience, you know, in the English world and with the natural horsemanship side of it. And, you know, I'd started Colts with Buck and, you know, done all that. So I really, um, I didn't compete in the hunter jumpers, but I rode a lot of her young horses. I taught a lot of her students, you know, the flat mm-hmm. work and the groundwork and that sort of thing. And then I showed some of her younger horses as well for quite a few years. Um, and then, you know, I just decided, you know, I'd been doing all of these things for so long and I just really wanted to pick a lane and, Mm -hmm. and really focus and concentrate my efforts. Um, I'm kind of one more specific, you know, train of thought, I guess is how I thought of it. And of course I've spent, this will be 20 years riding with, with Buck. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I know. And he, you know, when I watch him ride, 
um, you know, the way his horses look to me is, is what I want, you know, or <laughs> maybe something close to that someday. Um, you know, so I really decided that th this was the path I wanted to take. And, um, and so I kind of been doing that ever since, you know, I do have my, you know, the other disciplines and the other lessons, and I still take dressage lessons. I just had one um, on Thursday from Marielle Barnett. Uh, and so I still take pull from those areas. Um, but I really am staying focused on the natural horsemanship and just, um, you know, it just feels right to me, I guess. Um, I like, I like the, I don't even know how to describe what I'm trying to say. I like just the, you know, I guess the theory behind it, the philosophy end of it, you know, that's what really kind of tugs at my heartstrings, you know, <laughs> when it comes to the horses. So um, now I'm in Michigan, uh, back working for the people I actually worked for way back in the day. And uh, they don't compete or really do any of that stuff. And I just work at their private barn and, and train their horses and, um, you know, try to do some lessons and stuff on the side when I can or some clinics. Um, and, uh, you know, try to stay involved in the horse community in my area as much as I can. Um, so yeah, that's kind of kind of how I ended up here. <laughs> right. And, you know, unsurprisingly for my listeners, uh, Brooke is downplaying quite a bit uh, what her what her skill level is. And she's making it sound like, well, you know, I kind of ride now and then and stuff. <laughs> but if you follow her her Facebook page, and I'll include links for, for listeners who are interested, not only her Facebook page, but she also has a really cool YouTube channel where you can really see how what she's doing is so applicable. It's foundation work, and yet it's also very advanced at the same time. So um, where you take something like a shoulder in and you break it down, show where the groundwork has been, instrumental in developing a certain balance in the horse, so that when you introduce shoulder in, it is this very straightforward thing, mm -hmm. as opposed to, um, you know, in some schools of thought, it's like, oh my God, that's super difficult. And, it, you know, we need to set the horse up and be very <laughs> tight. And we should be, of course, tense in our shoulders ourselves at all right. times. And when it's really something that is from a biomechanics perspective, something that can be very straightforward, when you have set the horse up for balance and the horse understands, uh, how to carry your way a certain way. And of course, you're helping them do that. So this, um, a lot of people hear the term natural horsemanship and they think you maybe have a funny hat and you're kind of dancing around with <laughs> sticks or some, maybe you have bells on your fingers. And right. it's really it's really getting down to, I think of it as almost like the core of the Spanish riding school, the core of the Carol Colt starting, the core of it all. And mm -hmm. it gets to this principle of, if you don't get that foundation right, and by foundation, I don't mean just that your horse is broke, but that your horse is balanced on all four corners, which is a worthy goal for a lifetime for any horse, uh, let alone one that would be fortunate enough to work with someone like you early on as a colt all the way through development into whether it's bridal horse series or dressage series or whatever uh, the discipline is at that time. This is something that is the heart of it all. And I think that one of the reasons I like having people like you on the podcast is, well, first of all, I really admire and respect your work and I learn from it. And I think it's very, 
it's very aspirational to watch and to follow people like you who've dedicated so much time to this, but also uh, the horses change when they're with people like you. And it's very good to see and understand that. And it's not a magic thing. It's not um, a whisperer thing. It's about putting the work in day to day, steady, mm-hmm. steady, steady, being consistent yourself. And then right. people go, wow, he, that horse must have just been really quiet when you got him. And it's like, right. not, you know? And so, <laughs> no. you know, I really like to go back to these fundamentals that are so key that they're everything. You know, I recently had an interview with Emma Daly Klein and she was like, you know, the answers are in the beginning. That's what mm-hmm. it always gets back to the things that we think are so automatic and it, right. they need to be done with refinement and skill and discipline and uh, feel and that and focus. And that's just not easy. So I commend you. For right. That. Well, the, the rider really needs to enjoy um, basic work. You know, if, if you ask me what my favorite thing to do is, I might say groundwork, you know, yeah, and, me and too. Um, yeah. you, you know, it's just, you have to enjoy doing it and visiting that with each horse as often as necessary. And you see on a lot of those videos, my, my personal horse, the gray horse that I ride a lot. Yeah. Alo. And, um, he has been the most difficult horse I have ever started and and rode. Um, and you know, you wouldn't know it looking at him in the videos. Um, he is the most sensitive creature I've ever met. And, um, and he didn't want to be touched or brushed or anything. Um, you know, and he's very reactive and, um, you know, he's a little bit of a drama queen sometimes (laughs) (laughs) all of these things, you know, and I've had him three years now we're in the Bozelle, we're getting ready for the two rain pretty soon. And there is not a week that goes by that I don't go back and do all of those things, drag the sack you know, basic stuff with the rope and the flag, and he still needs it all the time. You know, um, you might look at him in those videos and say, well, he's, you know, he's so broke and, you know, he's so quiet. It's just because I don't mind doing it over and over and over and over and over again, you know, Uh, three years in, I'm still doing the basics multiple times, you know, each week revisiting them um because he it takes longer for him for those things to carry over but i i don't mind you know i like doing work and it's what he needs and um when i because i stay up on it i don't run into a lot of trouble with him Mm -hmm. um you know but it's (laughs) you have to enjoy doing those things i saw a meme actually on facebook the other day that said uh, something like, you know, beginner riders want to do intermediate work and intermediate mm-hmm. riders want to do advanced work and advanced riders want to do basic work. Basic it's work. so true. Is, you know, every good horseman that I know, um, like Alicia and them, everybody loves the basics because it is the most important part. You know, you can't have a good shoulder in or whatever, you know, flying lead changes and all these things, if your basics aren't good. And just like you said earlier, you might think you're doing okay. And then down the road, it'll right. come back to bite you, and you're going to have to go back to the beginning anyway. So you might as well, you might, you know, get, yeah, yeah, put in the work, you know, and, and do, do what it takes. But I think people 
get frustrated or, or just don't know, like, why isn't this horse further along? You know, I've, I've done these things, you know, a hundred times. Well, maybe you need to do them a thousand times, you know, <laughs> just, right. just what it is. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Also, if you pick a horse that is, which I think a lot of people are drawn to, they pick the horse that has the, maybe again, maybe this competition, especially a horse that has that very talented movement usually comes with a horse that has a very sensitive personality, at least in my experience, Mm -hmm. in order to get that eloquence of movement, you usually have a kind of an eloquence of personality. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's not something that you just kind of siphon on and off to your pleasure. Like you really have to again, kind of develop that horse. I was going to ask you to talk about Alo a little bit, how you came to have him and, if it was his particular nature that drew you or was it simply one of those things that kind of worked out and then you had him and yeah. there. Yeah. I, you know, I've been riding warm bloods for years and um, owned a few along the road there and just really wanted, I'd rode a few Spanish horses also for clients and um, really enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seemed like a good mix to me of, you know, um, some of the athleticism and, and movements of the, the big warm bloods. And most of them that I have worked with are the kindest, easiest, you know, just real nice horses. And so I kind of was looking for something along those lines, um, to make a bridal horse out of. And, um, actually a woman here in Michigan raised him and had, you know, quite a few and, when I went to look at him, he was already a four-year-old. And, um, he, she said to me, he's not an amateur's horse, you know, like he needs to go. To, so she knew well, even at that point that he probably wasn't going to be the easiest, um, horse. And I thought, well, okay, well, you know, <laughs> sounds right. good. I, um, you know, I'm always down to learn. Cause I know those are the horses you learn the most from. And, um, I know I was got in over my head. I have a good support system right. of horse people around me. And, um, you know, uh, he, and then of course her saying that I knew he needed a home with somebody who, um, would do right by him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I bought him and brought him home. And, uh, yeah, he's, he, um, he's kept me up late, lots of nights wondering what is going on. Like, how do I help this horse and what can I do better? And phone calls, you know, to my friend, Alicia, sometimes in tears, like, ah, you know, (laughs) talk me off off the ledge. I mean, even those of us that have been doing this a really long time, you know, we still have those moments where we're just like, oh my goodness, you know, like, and it, it really doesn't have much to do with the horse in particular as it does with ourselves. Like, why am I, why can't I make him feel better? Why can't I help him? Like, why is he still nervous or whatever the situation is, you know? And, and then you have your, your good friends to, you know, talk you off the ledge and say, (laughs) You just need more, just keep doing what you're doing and just give it some more time and quit being so hard on yourself, you know? Right, right, <laughs> right. Know? So, um, but I'm really, he's, we've come both, come a long ways. I have learned 
an immense amount from him. And he has truly changed the way I look at all horses. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, it's very, it's very cool. And, um, you know, there's so many horses out there that are just, they're just the kindest, most forgiving creatures, you know, ever. And um, it, it can make you just a little less mindful, I think, mm -hmm. you know, and then you come across one who, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe isn't as forgiving or, you know, when you do kind of make a mistake, which we all do, it, it sets you back like, you know, weeks or months or, you know, not just like a couple of rides, it, it really sets you back. So it gets you thinking like, okay, I really need to be more thoughtful and mindful, not tiptoe or no, be scared no. of, but just mindful of, you know, this, the way I'm riding this horse or interacting with this horse. And then it's like, geez, I, I should be approaching every horse. Like it's this horse, right. you know, that if I get a little big for my britches, this one's going to plant me in the dirt, you know, right. <laughs> where maybe right. the others may not because they're just a little bit more you know forgiving or quiet or whatever and um so yeah he's he's um very special to me because of that and i'm thankful you know to him for uh lining me out a little bit and, right. and keep it, keeping both feet on the ground and making me humble and and, and really making me think through things that i've already have a pretty good handle on, you know, but right. he made me go back and rethink some things. And it always, I always hear Buck in my mind, you know, things that he said repeatedly over the years that I've, I've heard, but it didn't really, you know, <laughs> necessarily sink in until, you know, this course came along when he talks about, you know, you might have to start over 500 times in a row and, you know, Buck always says I'm the same person on day 500 than I was on day one. It doesn't bother me at all, you know. And I heard him say that so many times, um, but I, I guess I hadn't really experienced it till you yeah, know the first where I was like, man, I am this. Yeah, we're probably pretty close to the five or six hundred <laughs> mark of doing this, and you know, but it, but it's okay, and I've and I've enjoyed it, and I've learned to relax, and I've learned to not care so much about where we're at and what we're doing just to enjoy riding them every day. And, um, since I kind of let go a little bit, you know, he's really come along quite well and I'm, I'm real proud of him, you know, <laughs> that's really cool. And I feel like also that a lot of those horses that kind of cross, cross your path at just the right time, people maybe have in mind that a schoolmaster is this wise Gandalf creature who's very, tolerant and patient with you and it's like no sometimes they're just sort of very melodramatic <laughs> you know French chef types like no you did it wrong I'm, I'm gonna stress <laughs> for two weeks it's your fault deal with it <laughs> and um and I find it interesting what you said that ultimately what ALO's helped you do is relax in some ways even though mm -hmm. you know, someone listening on the surface would be like oh it sounds like hell she's having to do the same thing 500 times but you do kind of it kind of releases you from maybe tension about things that aren't as important. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it, it is a bit of freedom um, because you stop worrying about 
where you should be Mm -hmm. two years in or three years in or, you know, whatever in your mind, your, your timeline is in general, it, it really forces you if you're going to do a good job to let go of that. And I do remember Alicia telling me (laughs) in one of those late night phone calls, she's like, you're, you're going to learn to not care so much. And at first I was like, well, that's terrible. I care so much, you know, but of course that's not what she was saying. She was saying not to care so much about certain things, particular things, you know, and just to, to just go with the flow and enjoy the ride and enjoy the process and enjoy the spectacular horse that, you know, um, is going to take time. And, and, uh, you know, I heard, Buck say a long time ago that sometimes the most difficult colts end up being your best bridal horses down the road. And, you know, I'm not really sure if it's because the difficult ones are the sensitive ones or if it's because you have to put so much time mm-hmm. <laughs> into the basics with those colts that by the time you get to the bridal, they're spectacular, you know? So, um, yeah, it, ha- it has been a freeing type of, of, of process. And it really has taught me not to care, um, you know, how long things are taking or what anybody else thinks, you know, and what anybody else's timeline, you know, they think where you should be at this point and to just enjoy riding, you know, which Mm -hmm. I do. So it's been a, it's been a great experience, but it came to me at the right time in my life. Had I had him, 15 years ago, I probably would have ruined them. You know, back then you do need that kind of schoolmaster you were talking about the ones that just, you know, forgive and forget and, and fill in for you, you know, because your skill level isn't enough. So the horse helps you learn and, and keeps you safe while you're doing that. Um, so he came to me at a point in my life where I was ready, you know, for that. Um, but yeah, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, poor buddy, he probably wouldn't have been a very, probably wouldn't have been a very good journey for him. But, uh, you know, I've been doing this all day, every day for a lot of years now. And, um, you know, I, I, I was ready for, you know, for a challenge and, and open for the education that he was going to give me. And it's, it's been a great journey. We still have a long ways to go, but (laughs) we're enjoying, we're enjoying it. I think it's really interesting how those kind of relationships, those kind of horses, what they bring out in you, it's really between the two of you. And Mm -hmm. this is something that can be a little hard to understand uh, for people who've only grown up immediately in the entire digital age. And, you know, I love technology. I think technology is a great thing. Um, at the same time, I'm not interested in chronicling every moment that I have with the horse. I'm interested in just being in the moment with the horse. And um, I'm sure I have lost thousands of followers <laughs> as a result. Because I just I just literally don't think of it. And it's not like right. it's really and it might not be anything that would be that significant visually to anyone except me and the horse. And so that that's what I find freeing when at the end of the day, it's like, whose opinion do I care about? Well, I care about that horse's opinion. And, um, and that's a privately expressed opinion. A lot of the times it's not for anyone else's display and it might not be for someone else to easily discern if they didn't already know the horse or 
you know, how patient, patient the horse or impatient the horse is being with me. And I think too, before we actually started officially recording this podcast, you and I were talking a little bit about 2020, the year, and um, how this year uh, for a lot of people has been like the worst year ever, like just get, <laughs> get out of here, 2020, and understandably so. I'm kind of a contrarian person. So what I do is I look at what happened in 2020 so far and I'm like, well, it's not what I planned. It's not what I had in mind. What can I get from this that I couldn't have gotten in another year? It's my way of, uh, of what I call taking it back, like get something good out of this. Again, not in a Disney, Ariel, the mermaid, scene, <laughs> but just sure. like really hardcore, like what did I get from this? And one of the things for me that came from 2020 is I had a lot of quiet time with horses where I had to change how I did things to some respects, in some respects. And that required me to focus and be a lot quieter. And I was like, I'm so far behind. You know, there's so many things that I couldn't get to because of things that were going on this year. Um, both mm-hmm. at home and in the world at large. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be so like, I'm not, I'm not doing all these things that I thought I would be doing. But there's something about the, the way that the year maybe forced a lot of us to be a little more introspective and focus on what are the real priorities at the end of the day? What are the real priorities? And that maybe changed something in me, changed my demeanor in some way. And I've had some really unexpected moments with horses that I didn't think would even want to interact in any way whatsoever. I was basically going, this horse is going to be feral. I'm going to go in. I haven't talked to this horse <laughs> once. He's going to be sure. feral and walk in. And it was like, we had just worked together for three months yesterday. And sure. so that's something that's a real thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And as the year comes to a close, um, I think that if possible to keep in mind that there were some really good things that came out of this year that I believe will make 2021 much, much better mm-hmm. and um and to maybe not be so quick to discard the year's lessons at the same time i love all of the we hate 2020 memes so i kind of collect right. those. i totally right. get that but you know right. it'd be so easy just to um some of the lessons learned or whatever are ones that might not have been as apparent in another year and so right. i look to that personally yeah COVID, you know, it's been a, it's been tough, right. You know, Mm -hmm. for, you know, for a lot of reasons, but at the same time, um, it did force a lot of people to slow down, you know, right. Uh, Life isn't as busy when you can't go places and do things and, you know, hang out and, um, you know, so it, it freed up some time and, and slows life down a little bit and, and does let you maybe focus more on some things than, you know, um, than you would have. And maybe there's less on your mind, you know, there's a little less on your mind. So in those moments when you're with the horses, you are a little bit more present because maybe your schedule isn't as busy and you don't have so many things going on that you're, you know, thinking about. And, um, and like we were talking earlier, funny enough, I've, I've met a lot of great horse people online this year, you know, and like I was saying, I'm not a huge, you know, phone and computer person. So it's, you know, (laughs) but we've kind of been forced into this a little bit this way. And I've just met so many great people, including you and, 
you know, learned about your LOAP program and just a lot of people reaching out saying, hey, I can't get to lessons. I can't get to clinics. Can you help me? I'm having these problems. And, you know, I try to help as much as I can through video feeds and, you know, or, or texting or whatever, you know, we're doing back and forth. But um, it's been really interesting and, and fun to kind of um, expand that and meet more of the horse community that way. And, um, and you're right, it's been a good year for um, looking inside, you know, because like we were talking about, that's kind of really where I'm at in this moment in my horsemanship is all the internal mm-hmm. things, you know, and um, how can I be a better person for these horses? I mean, that's really the bottom line, right? To generalize yes. it is how I see it like okay how can I be better and and that means better in every way you know mm-hmm. um not you know better at swinging my rope although I want to be better at that <laughs> too but you know just like how can I be a better person more empathetic more patient more understanding more compassionate you know um how can I focus more on what the horse feels like emotionally and mentally at the end of my ride, you know, whether we were doing hard stuff or basic stuff or just, you know, hanging out, swinging our rope or whatever we were doing, you know. Um, so it has been a good year for that because I've had a lot of downtime to mm-hmm. read and listen to podcasts and, and just reflect on, um, you know, information and, and then, myself and how I'm processing everything. And yeah, it's been, it's been really good for that. And, um, you know, we were talking earlier, you know, you lay awake at night, kids wondering what's going, you know, what's happening with this horse or what's happening with that horse, or why can't I get myself to do these things or whatever. So, um, now that I've had more time, maybe I can I can sleep more because I can think about those things during <laughs> other hours of the day, day, right? <laughs> day. I agree totally. And I think um, uh, I call it COVID brain. We're basically, um, sometimes I feel like I've lost like 30 IQ points. I'm very sort of spacey <laughs> and mellow. And, um, and so being in the moment has an entirely, it's like, oh, being in the moment. Yeah, staring at the horse while I halt him seems like, about right. It's about, about what I can handle right now. And uh, I found that one of the side benefits for me, it's all related to what you were talking about, is, uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I have a super busy mind. It's a circus in here. There's bright light, <laughs> there's monkeys, and I don't even know what all. And this year, it has been so much easier to quiet my mind down and kind of look at let's say I'm working with a horse and, and something is coming up for the horse. The horse is having some tension or a brace or something's coming up. In the past, I might be more like emotional about that in a quiet way. Or, and now I'm more like, hey, what's really going on? Like, I'm curious about that. Like my brain kind of just slows down and it goes, what is really happening? And maybe in the past, a few years ago, it might've been more like I would be answering that question with a feeling I was having about what I thought happened, but it's really not about that. It's like, well, what is really happening in order to do that? Your mind has to be quiet. It can't be like jumping in with your, your defenses, you know, like, 
I that horse or whatever like it's just like you're just quite like what is really happening oh I I I was a little too abrupt with my hand there for this horse or ah he's a little stuck on that right front I didn't really notice that before that's why he hopped up or whatever it is like it's just it's this quieter type of scenario and, and it's it's very important because um you you have to have a quiet mind I some people would hear me say you know, if your mind is going 100 miles an hour, your horse is going to re react to that, respond to that. And, you know, people might say, well, how can a horse know that you're thinking 100 miles an hour? But they, oh, they do. know. <laughs> they do. They just feel it. And, you know, um, we're always trying to help them feel better and feel relaxed and feel successful and happy in their jobs, you know. And a lot of that comes from how we feel right in in our interactions with them and have you i'm sure you have met horses whose brain goes faster than what's good for them yeah it's hard to get them to slow down and and think and and wait and search and you know so sometimes we have to do that for ourselves too right to slow down wait, take some deep breaths and and search through, like you're saying, what is really going on here? You know, instead of just like, oh my God, yeah, and I'll do this and then I'll do that. And then I'll do this. And the horse is just like, ah, you know, (laughs) we we kind of have to set the example. Like we kind of have to do that. Like, and so if you go into that more philosophical saying about the horse is a mirror, it's like really what you're putting out there first is if you're calm and you're ready to kind of search for the answer that at least gives your horse a sense that he's going to be allowed to search, that you're not going to shut him down for searching. And I work with horses. Sometimes there are these horses that ran a long time at the track, retiring eight, nine, 10, 11. They're pretty sure they know what the answers are. And when they, when you, when you ask them a question, they go, the answer is 17. And it's like, it's not 17. (laughs) <laughs> you can keep trying. They're like, no, the only answer is 17. <laughs> I get really agitated and go, no, that's not the answer. I just, it makes it so much worse. So it's kind of interesting if you're going to help a horse think through something, which is really the only way to make mm-hmm. a horse safe, to help mm-hmm. a horse kind of uh, develop a true kind of confidence, you have to be that way first. Absolutely, and, and it's really a lot of internal work on yourself, and that's why, really, like you were saying earlier in this interview, you you want to get better yourself, not just at well this particular way that I hold the lead rope or the way that I swing the rope, but also in uh, internally how yeah. you're approaching the problems and and also how receptive you are mentally to what the horse has to offer and being able to adapt, right? Because sometimes there is no answer. It's always like, it depends. So horses that have presented to me with some very, what some people might say would be slightly aggressive energy. I would say that horse is just really scared or another horse might be kind of pushy. And he, Mm -hmm. you know, I might be, I might be a little more, there might be a little more clarity in my Mm -hmm. response, but I wouldn't have any more emotion about it than the horse that was, doing it out of fear to be sued differently. So I I think those distinctions, uh, you know, come from working on ourselves and and that's sometimes, you know. And I think in my experience over the last, you know, 20 years or whatever, that the 
now I realize that the internal from the human is more important than any of the external. If you ride with, I mean, obviously skill is, you know, also important, but if you ride with good intention, like true good intention and, and true compassion for the horse and self-confidence and, um, you know, just calmness, you, you're going to produce horses that are the same way, confident, calm, great, you know, and even if they can't, you know, do tempi changes and all these fancy things, you're still going to have a nice horse at the end of the day, which in a happy horse, which is the most important part. And I remember, you know, I think an important part around about it is being around people who are that way already, right? What, what we're working towards becoming. And, you know, I listened actually to a podcast the other day. It was Emma's with Buck. Um, I, I heard that too. I heard that too. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, as soon as I started listening to it, I, I, my friend that emailed it to me, I responded right away before I'd even listened to, you know, a third of the podcast. And I was just like, even his voice makes me feel calm, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and I've spent enough time around him. Right. But it's like, no wonder the horses, um, you know, love him so much because he even makes me feel that way. I can, he makes me feel calm and he makes me feel confident when I'm around him. Um, and, and we all lean into that really hard, don't we? You know, and I've had the fortunate opportunity of starting quite a few colts at uh, Buck's Ranch, even before the invitational colt starting, he used to do the seven day and 10 day clinics at his ranch. And, um, I used to go to a lot of those and, you know, we'd start colts in the morning and then, you know, ride our, our, uh, older horses in the afternoon and rope and do stuff. And, um, you know, I think about all those colts in the first couple of rides that we'd put on them and, you know, we'd ride out into his thousand acre pasture, two rides in, you know, and I'm, a little nervous and, you know, kind of puckered up and scared. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I could just feel every horse pole or horse I was on gravitate towards him on his colts, you know? And I was like, man, this thing doesn't hardly have any education. It already knows who the right person is <laughs> to right, be, right, to right. Be you know, and it just says something about it that, you know, I can feel it and the horse can feel it. And it's a real thing, you know, it's a real thing that we're all drawn towards as just like creatures on this earth, right? Having a good leader and somebody that makes you feel calm and, and, and good about what's happening around you and what you're doing with the horses and stuff. So, you know, I, I think about those things and I listened to him on it on the podcast and, and others like him, Joe Walter. And, you know, there's a lot of them out there. And, um, I just think, man, I want that, you know, I want the horses to feel that way about me, you know, and, um, and the people that I teach too, I want them to feel comfortable and, and, um, you know, 
and calm and, and confident and that I am a good leader and, you know, all these qualities. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if I, if I didn't have the opportunity to be around some good horsemen like that, would I, would it even register, you know, right, (laughs) right, right. Doing, you know, the dumb things. Um, so yeah, to me, that's, it's really interesting. And, and, um, you know, of course, Buck and Joe and those people, they've spent a lifetime developing that, right? I mean, they'll be the first people to tell you that they weren't like that in their 20s and 30s, you know, that it took time to get there, which gives me hope, you know, that if I keep working at this, and, and mostly working on myself, you know, um, I read another meme online the other day that said, um, horse trainers work on horses and horsemen work on themselves. And yes. I thought geez, that just hit it right on the nail, didn't it? You know, it totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so. always think it's, I always think it's such a, an honor when a horse looks you up, you know, yeah. particularly if it's in a moment where the horse is uncertain and I, aspire to be the kind of person that a horse would look up more than once, you know, or that might, they might look up first or maybe second or third, depending on who else is in the arena. But uh, it's just something to really aspire to. And it's, it's not maybe the way that uh, a lot of people might consciously understand how to work with horses, but most people who love horses and ride them often, ride their own horses often, they have a sense of that. They have a sense that they want that kind of a partnership. And um, most of us, you know, could work with horses, who work with horses could do something a lot easier, you know, for a living, certainly. Um, Or even hobby-wise, you know, four-wheelers are great. You know, like like you don't have to do it 500 times, you know, once. You just turn the key in ignition, it's done. Right. So there's obviously something there that, um, you know, on some level, I think we know that it brings out the best in us or it has the potential. And we want to do that, as you said, for the horse, like the horse is the one that you kind of want to do it for. And, um, and you do it for yourself in the sense that it's something that you want as well for yourself. And I think that is something that is really rare that the horse brings. And again, you know, 2020 clinics haven't been possible in some states they've been fortunately there have been some around which is good but I know a a lot of us have missed maybe working with some of the teachers that we might see regularly or the opportunity to uh, meet new teachers you know more of those people who uh you know can inspire us and also I I just love I just love watching those people work with horses you know it's just so cool like you said that kind of magnet effect Mm -hmm. I've been I've been in clinics before and it's always with the best teachers you know, you're, you know, you're all riding around, the teacher hasn't come in yet. And then my horse will do something. I'm like, oh, the teacher must've come in. Sure enough, (laughs) all the horse did was he get relaxed or something. I'm like, that wasn't me. The teacher must be here. And I'm kind of looking, sure enough, there's the person riding in. I'm like, yep, that's what's going on. Well, this leads kind of, we've been actually talking about an hour, which is always amazing to me how quick this goes. I know. I know know you're getting ready to go away from the holidays and everything, but I saw on your Facebook page the other day that you had written this poem for the holidays, which actually we were supposed to lead with, but I yeah. guess interested in your conversation, yeah. but actually in retrospect, it worked out because I think it's a great kind of way to end this podcast, uh, kind of sums up everything we've been talking about. So do you mind reading that? Yeah, let me find it here. I, I had it and now I've lost it. You've ruined the yeah. whole podcast. Funny enough, 
funny enough, as I write a lot of things late at night when I can't sleep and I have, uh, you know, horses on the brain and, um, but I never share them. I always keep them. Yeah. And I don't know why I think because a lot of times when you write stuff at night, the next morning, you're like, Oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like drunk texting. You're like, oh, no, needs to do that. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes late at night, your thoughts are a little, but I was just laying in bed this, the other night and couldn't sleep and was thinking about Christmas and just thinking about the horses. I'd listened to that podcast with Emma and Buck, which I thought was really inspiring. And, um, so I wrote this little, twas the night before Christmas thing. So I'll read it for you. Uh, twas the night before Christmas, as I lay in my bed, thoughts of the horses ran through my tired head. Am I good enough for them to give them what they need? Or will I just disappoint and miss what is key? I wonder, I wonder who will give me the answer and remember the cowboy who said to look in the mirror. I have to look deep inside and see what is true. All the changes that come must come straight from you. If you love them enough, you'll dig down way deep and become the human a horse wants to keep. Once this begins, you'll grab onto it tight. It will make all of life better and you will know it is right. For the good of the horse, we will rise up above and the greatest return is the horse's trust and love. <laughs> uh, and you you ended it happy holidays, which yeah, happy uh, holidays. I really love that. And, uh, and I just, I really like to thank you for being on the podcast and I feel that it's really important for people out there to, to, to know you, to know people who are like you, which I wish there were more of them, to put integrity 100% at the forefront of your career with horses is something that many people aspire to, but it's very difficult to do day to day, year after year. It can, it can have a, a strong financial consequence. It can, have, uh, it can put a lot of pressure on your personal life. In your case, you live in Michigan, which I can't take because I'm I can't handle the cold. So I would not right. be I can't even I can't live with integrity in Michigan. But I'm just right. saying, to do that, I really commend you for that. And I know that that is the essence of what I get from your work. I mean, I've only I, I've never actually I don't think met you in person, but no, but but I feel like I, I know you, and I just really want to commend you. And that is the reason we wanted you on the podcast. It's the reason why you know, we've been so honored that you've worked with some of the interns in our program. And so all of us here at Horsewise wish you, Brooke, a super happy holiday, you and Alo and all the horses you work with. And uh, I look forward to having another conversation with you soon, maybe on a specific topic, because it's just been great for me. I've been taking notes and thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. I've had a blast talking to you. I could talk horses all day with, uh, with people. And, um, you know, I'm really happy to be a part of the podcast and a, a really proud to be a part of your low program. I think it's so important, you know, for these young kids to have an opportunity to um, learn some good horsemanship skills, you know, at a young age. And, and for me, I know it's been really important to have people to look up to in my life with the horses and, and inspire me. And, um, I think that's how we keep our integrity as horse people is that we're just trying to do the same for others, right. To, to say, you know, to inspire them to, you know, stick with it and keep the integrity and yes, it's difficult at times, but in the end it's, it's worth it. And, um, 
yeah, it's been, it's been really great. I really enjoyed talking to you. I hope we can do it again. And I hope you have a really Merry Christmas. You too, Brooke. Take care. We'll talk soon. I know. Okay. Thanks, Bye. Lynn. Thank All you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as Brooke and I did. For more information on Brooke's work, you can follow her on Facebook on her professional page, Brooke Tatro Horsemanship, and you can also look her up on YouTube. I'll include specific links in the show notes for this episode. From all of us at Horsewise, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and thank you as always for listening.